your worship of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Praise God. That is awesome. I'm Pastor Rob, one of the pastors here on staff. It's great to see you here this morning. I do want to let you know next Sunday at 4 o'clock, we are having a short-term mission trip interest meeting. It's not just about one. It's about ones that we want to do over the next six to nine months uh, locally, nationally, and internationally. So if you feel any uh, desire to learn more about how you might be involved in short-term mission trips, make sure to come next Sunday at four o'clock. So we've been in this series, Armed and Dangerous, now for four weeks. Is everybody aware of that? If you're new, I want to let you know that. How many of you remember we're in a series called Armed and Dangerous? I just want to make sure we're in the same place today. And what it is is a series on the life of Peter and how he became armed and dangerous to make a difference in people's lives. That He was so armed and dangerous that he could stand against the very gates of hell. And so in week one, we saw Peter interacting with Jesus. Jesus called Peter to follow him and Peter immediately went and followed him. And what we, we learned in that moment is that for us to be armed and dangerous, we have to give up control. Amen. We have to give up control. The next week, we, we looked at the great story of, of Jesus walking on water. And only one of the disciples got on out of the boat to try the same thing. Who was that? It was Peter, and it, it was this incredible moment where he stepped out in faith. He risked it all. And if we're going to be armed and dangerous, we have to risk it all too. Then last week, we got to see Peter make the great confession that Jesus was the Christ. And Jesus looked at him after he said that, and he said, you are now equipped for the very, the very kingdom of Satan coming at you and holding up against it. And there is nothing like confessing the name of Jesus. And if you're going to be armed and dangerous, you have to confess the name as, of Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Can I get an amen? amen? There is power in the name. There is power in the name. And so this morning, we're going to continue the series. And uh, I, I wanted to share with you, as I, I was thinking about this series and thinking about today's sermon, I was reminded of a conference Amy and the kids and I went to over in Portland, Oregon. Has anybody been to Portland, Oregon? A few of you. So, great. So... Uh, what you might not know, and I didn't know till I took the flight, it's, it's a long flight if you don't do a layover and everything, especially I was used to about an hour, hour and a half flight, and we're, we're going over to Portland. It's a six-hour flight. We didn't stop. It gets boring. Anybody, you know, when I preach, I move all over the place. Imagine me sitting for six hours on a plane. It doesn't go well, and I was getting pretty bored uh, by the end of it. But then all of a sudden, people started whispering and, and talking amongst themselves and saying, look out the window, look out the window. And so we looked out our window and we saw the peak of Mount Hood. 
It was incredible. It was breathtaking. The, the purity. I mean, people have tried to get up to that peak and died trying. And the scariest part of it is everybody on the other side of the plane wanted to see it too. So everybody came over. And I don't know much about planes. I'm like, we're going to tip. We're going to hit the mountain. But we didn't do it. So that's good news. But, you know, it, it was beautiful. It was crisp. It was exhilarating. Then we flew into the valley of Portland. Portland is a beautiful city, but once you've seen the mountain and been by the mountain, you realize how dirty, how citified it is. You know, there's buildings, it's crowded, there's homelessness, there's disease, there's sickness, and it just really strikes you of, of the need to get up into the mountain and bring some of the mountain down into the valley. This morning, we're looking at an incredible account in Jesus's life and Peter's interaction with Jesus. It's, it's in Luke chapter 9, 28 through 40. So if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to open to them and look at that. Now your outline says 27, And that's because I wanted you to know what was going on before this. But I'm going to start at Luke 9, 28. It says about eight days after Jesus said this. So this is why you need to know what's in 27 and 26 and 25. So after he said this, what did he say? He said he was going to go suffer and die and raise again. He said that if you wanted to follow him you got to carry the cross that's what he said that's where he's coming from and he's going up into the mountain everybody say mountain after eight days jesus said this he took peter john and james with him and went up into a mountain to pray where'd he go yeah as he was praying the appearance of his face changed think about this Parents of his face changed, his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure. Everybody say departure. I'll explain why that's important here in a moment, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. That would kind of wake you up, right? Moses and Elijah and Jesus, all of this going on. As the men were leaving, Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters or tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I love the parenthetical comment. He did not know what he was saying. He just, he didn't know. He wasn't aware. We'll get to that in a moment. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at the time what they had seen. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, everybody say down from the mountain. So let, let's be clear. What do we call that place when you come down from the mountain? 
Ooh, is this starting to connect here? When they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsion so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. It's not my word. You gave it. And you've given it for us. And Lord, I pray, I pray this morning that you would clarify your word for us so it would transform our lives and make us more like you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and give us wisdom and counsel. Empower us, heal us, bring us closer. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So a little context of this story. So, uh, Jesus' earthly ministry lasted about three years. And this is the midpoint of those three years. And from henceforth, ooh, that sounds really fancy. Henceforth, he's heading to Jerusalem. He's heading to the cross. The key phrase there is the word departure. Everybody say departure again. Now, I know you'll think this is cool because you think things are cool. So this word Departures being said to him about by Moses. Moses, if you remember, wrote the first five books of the Bible, and he is famous for leading the Israelites to the promised land. Well, actually, he never got to the promised land, but he led them through the Exodus out of Egypt. And why that's important, this word departure. In the original language is the word exodus. How cool is that? Jesus is going, they're talking to Jesus about how he's going to be able to lead everybody to the promised land through dying and raising again from the dead. The departure, exodus. How cool is that? Come on, how cool is that? All right, that's cool. So that's kind of the context. Let's look at this in detail. Luke 9, 28, about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. So where would have they come from if they were going up to a mountain? A valley. Let's think of this for a moment. Not literally, but kind of metaphorically. Let's think about the valley, where he came from. What, what his story is in the valley. In the valley, people are desperate. In the valley, people need God. In the valley, there is blindness. In the valley, there is sickness. In the valley, there is homelessness and hunger. This is where Jesus came from. Some of you can relate to that. That's where, where you are this morning. You're, you're in the valley. You are broken. You are desperate. You, you want a, something, but you're not sure what it is. You are sick and you need healed. You are possessed and you need cleansed. You are addicted and you need freedom. You're in the valley and you get that. See, what happens in the valley allows us to be ministered to, to by people who've come from the mountain. Let me ask you this morning, are you stuck in the valley? Are you stuck 
in the valley, wondering if there's any hope for you. Would you just stay there for a moment and let's talk about the mountain where they're going to. Think about this for a moment. Uh, The mountain is a place where cool things happen. Ta-da-dum. Cool things, get it? All right, jeez, man. That's as funny as I get. In the mountain, think about what's going on here. In the mountain, Peter, James, and John are going up there And they get to see Jesus as he really is. They get to see the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He's shining and bright. And he's this incredible manifestation of power. And oh, by the way, there's Moses and Elijah showing up. How cool is that? How did they know it's Moses and Elijah? There weren't any pictures. Right? They must have overheard Jesus go, Moses, it's good to see you again, man. Elijah, chariot of fire, pretty cool. Welcome back. In the mountain is where we have significant experiences of God's presence and power in our lives, where, where we experience transformation, where we experience healing and declaration. How many of you have been to the mountain before? We call those mountaintop experiences, right? Where we just, maybe it's singing a song and you just can't stop singing because you're transported to another place. Maybe you're reading God's word and you go, oh my gosh, I never saw that before. I never saw how it applies to my life. And this makes a difference. The mountain is a great place to be. That's why we all need mountaintop experiences. But what I want to remind you is what happens in the mountain arms us to minister to the people stuck in the valley. It makes us dangerous to the kingdom of Satan. Can I get an amen? Amen. But see, the question is, are you stuck in the mountain? You're no longer going down to the valley. Luke 9 33, as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up some shelters. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He forgot about himself. Well, where's Peter going to hang out? And James and John. Is, but think about that. How, how tempting would that be? He's come from the valley. He knows how dangerous and difficult it is. He's experienced something none of us have ever experienced, right? Seeing Jesus as he really is, and Moses, and Elijah, and this is great. This is, let's stay here and never come down, Jesus. Do you see Jesus going, oh, Peter, come on, come on. I wonder if you're like Peter, you're stuck in the mountain. You're stuck in a mountain. There, there are three tents or shelters. Now, these are nice tents that you're going to see up here. Uh, but you shouldn't think of they brought all kinds of supplies for tents. This is more of a, blank, a blanket for... Anybody? Have you seen kids before? The, the, were you a kid once? Yeah. Did you ever make a blanket for yeah yeah whatever it takes you know you're getting all the the chairs from all over the house you're getting all the blankets 
and you build this thing. It doesn't look great, but it's yours. That's the type of shelters we're talking. Just, he's just going, this is so cool. Let's stay here. Let's talk about each of these, these shelters and why we get stuck in the mountain. The first shelter uh, was for a guy named Moses. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. He wrote the law. Everybody say the law. See, there are moments in my life where what happens, I get stuck in the mountain because I think I'm too sanctified to be around those people who are stuck in the valley. All right, I'm using one of those big words, sanctified. Sanctified means holy. You you feel like you're too holy and you don't want the muck to make you less holy. It means you think you're too good and you don't want any of the muck to rub off. It's you got brand new white shoes and you don't want to walk in the mud. Are you with me? There are three ways I believe that... uh, we can start becoming too sanctified, thinking we're too sanctified to go in the valley. First is this, our language. Isn't that weird for me to say our language? You know, we need to talk about the language of the world. No, we don't. We need to talk about the language that we use when we are sanctified that pushes people away because they have no clue what we're talking about. It is perfectly fine to talk about the blood of the Lamb here at church, right? Because we're in church. We understand, most of us understand the blood of the Lamb. But if you go out out into the valley and you start going, yeah, I am saved by the blood of the Lamb. He he died for me. I sacrificed. I just, oh, it, it is awesome. And this week I ate of the flesh and drank of the blood. What do you think somebody in the valley is going to do if you say that? Why would you want to have blood all over you? What, I thought you ate lamb. I didn't think you, what is going on? Have you ever been around anybody who goes, oh, the Lord has blessed me so much, John 2, 34. You know, I just can't, I'm, I'm so thankful. And Luke 5, 37 and Deuteronomy 2, 3. Right, brother? And people are looking at him and going, what are you talking about? I wonder if your language out in the valley is such that you push people away. Uh, your legalism. Oh, by the way, we call that... Yeah. <laughs> we call that language Christianese. <laughs> legalism. My legalism pushes people away. You know, I, I have so much of the Holy Spirit, I know, and so I look at people and I look at what's wrong with them. Oh, you're in the valley. You have a tattoo. Who has a tattoo? Oh. When you don't have a tattoo, come and, come and talk to me. But I can't talk to you till you... <laughs> Who has shorts on today? How can you love Jesus and wear shorts? 
I had somebody say that to me. I was at a church. I was mowing in my shorts. They were fine shorts. And the person came up to me and said, pastors shouldn't mow the lawn in shorts. They should wear at least jeans. And then she said, my favorite pastor wore a suit when he mowed the lawn. I almost took my shorts off at that moment and went Genesis 2 on her, but I decided not. If you're not sure what Genesis 2 says, they were naked and not ashamed. My lifestyle, my lifestyle is the third one uh, under Moses. I, I love this. From the moment I first saw you, I knew I wanted to spend the rest of my life avoiding you. I've had so many people say that to me over the years. No, only a few. Uh, Your lifestyle. What are you talking about, my lifestyle? You know, some of us get in the mountain, and what happens is all we want to do is hang out in the mountain with other people who've been in the mountain. And we insulate ourselves from anybody who's in the valley. We don't even know anybody in the valley anymore. We hang out in the mountain so much. I wonder if you're stuck in the mountain today. There's another tent or shelter. Uh, This one's for Elijah. Elijah saw some of the great manifestations ever to happen in the Bible before Jesus. Incredible stuff. He's the dude who got to go to heaven in a flaming chariot. How cool is that? Manifestation, buddy. Power. You know, it's been amazing to me over the years how many people have said, I just don't have enough power yet. I just need more of the Holy Spirit. Once I have more of the Holy Spirit, then I'll go out there into the valley. But not till then. Let me ask you a question. How much power is enough power? I think enough power is you, you're, you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit is on you, go out to the valley and let people experience that. Let me give you an example of this. I'm not going to say the church. I'm not going to say the area. But lots and lots of years ago, about 20 years ago, uh, there was this great supposed uh, revival happening of Holy Spirit power in a certain area. It was written about in all kinds of Christian magazines. And a bunch of us pastors said, we got to go and experience that. We got to get up there. And, and so we got there a little early that day. So we went to lunch at the restaurant right next to where there was a profound experience of the Holy Spirit written in international magazines and nobody in the restaurant knew what we were talking about right across the street as close as we are to central crossing high school that close and i and we all started to scratch our head and said how could that be and so then we went and there was all kinds of funky stuff going on there that night i mean people were yelling and chipping and laughing and some people were even doing the funky chicken which usually I only saw at a football game. But, you know, that's a, and we're like, 
wow, this is kind of weird. This, this is the Holy Spirit. And so we had a question and answer time. And everybody's asking questions. And I raised my hand. And I said, I have one question. How many people have you led to Christ? How many people, I didn't use this language then, but I, well, how many people out in the valley have you gone to with all that you've empow- been empowered with? And you know what they said? We're not ready yet. We don't have enough of the Holy Spirit yet. Let me ask you, if you are stuck in the mountain, how much power is enough? There's a third tent we get stuck in, and that tent has to do with Jesus. Jesus is the Word. Everybody say, Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the Word, uh, and that means we need to know Him as much as possible. Amen? It is good to know Jesus. But you know what? I've encountered this over my years in ministry. People say, I I don't know enough yet to go out there into the valley. I I just don't know enough yet. Let me ask you, how much do you need to know? Are you familiar with Wizard of Oz? Have you heard of that? The the scarecrow thought he didn't have a brain. And then he did all these great things to help Dorothy get to the Wizard of Oz so she could get to Kansas. So he was given a degree at the end to remind him he knew enough. Folks, what do you need? How much more do you need? Some of you keep on saying, well, I just, I got to take one more class with Pat and understand how, how the prophecy impacts us all. Great stuff, Pat. Some of you say, well, I just need a couple more verses memorized. And some of you are saying, I need to get through the first chapter of John. All right, maybe, maybe, yes. But let me show you. I think if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I bet you know enough. Let me ask this question. Did Jesus die and raise from the dead? Yes or no? Is he coming back? Can he make a tangible difference in your life? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All God. Tell your neighbor, you know enough. Stop being stuck in the mountain and go down to the valley. Luke 9, 37, the next day, everybody say the next day. When they came down from the mountain, good news. Jesus looks at Peter. Peter, we're going back. We can't stay here. I didn't come so we could stay in the mountain. I came so everybody has the opportunity to be with me for eternity. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. See, this is a pivotal moment in, 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 uh, in Peter's life. He decided at that moment, I am going down. I am armed with what I need to so I can make a tangible difference to people in the valley. And I am dangerous to the kingdom of Satan. I am going down there. How do you know if you're stuck? How do you know if you're stuck? I, I've got a simple way to, for you to look at your life. You look around the people in your sphere of influence and you're not seeing any impact on them at all. If the Holy Spirit is in you and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you should be having an impact on people in the valley. If you're not, you're stuck in the mountain. 
Look what's going on. Luke 940. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Look at this guy. He is desperate. People in the valley are desperate for somebody to make a difference in their life. This guy is desperate. These disciples who were left down there couldn't because they hadn't spent enough time in the mountain. How do I know that? Matthew 17, 19 through 20. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Not enough time in the mountain. Mark 9, 28 through 29. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Verse 29, he replied, this kind can only, this kind can come out only by prayer. Ouch! Not enough time in the mountain, guys. You do have, you have to spend time, tell your neighbor, you got to spend time in the mountain. But then you got to get unstuck and come down. How do I know? I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing the impact. How do you, some of you, you've been going, hey, you talked about that valley place at the beginning and this mountain thing, I I don't get, I don't get, I am stuck in the valley and I'm tired of being stuck in the valley. Well, why are you stuck in the valley? You haven't reached out to Jesus yet. Again, Luke 9, 38, a man in the crowd called out, teacher, I beg you. Do you see him? You see him in the valley going, Jesus, help me. You are my only help. Help me, Jesus, help me. See, when you're stuck in the valley, your only hope is Jesus. Reach out to him. Grab a hold of him. Make him the Lord and Savior of your life. Ask him in. Let his Holy Spirit transform your life and transform your relationships with people around you. Let him heal you and minister to you. Why are you stuck in the valley? The second reason is because you're captured in sin. Luke 9.39, a spirit seizes him. Everybody say seizes. And he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsion so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him, and it's destroying him. That's what sin does, doesn't it? Doesn't sin destroy us? And some of you are stuck. You are stuck in the valley. You are caught by sin. It has a hold of you. It has a hold of you. It's an addiction or or. It's a hatred, or it's a bitterness, or it's just being totally impoverished to everything. It's, and what you have to do is say, I am stuck, and reach out to someone who's been in the mountain. See, the good news of this story as Jesus comes out of the mountain, Peter comes out of the mountain, and they pray for this boy, and he is healed. He is delivered. He experiences mountain transformation. 
And he wouldn't have experienced that if nobody came out of the mountain to meet him where he is. Let me ask you this question. Think real hard and raise your hand if this is true. Have you been to the mountain? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and experienced his transformation? Have you been to the mountain? I want you to see that this is really important. Raise your hands. If you are stuck in the valley, I want you to see these hands. That's a person you can reach out to. Amen? Amen? There's no better way to finish this sermon today than celebrating communion together. Don't you think? Because communion is an opportunity for both of us. If we're stuck in the valley or stuck in the mountain, or we're not stuck, we go from the mountain to the valley on a regular basis and back up to the mountain. It is an opportunity for you this morning to make that confession that we talked about last week, that Pastor Tom so powerfully put in front of us that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's an opportunity to be reminded that Jesus came out of the mountain we call heaven, down to the valley of earth to save us. If we so choose. The bread, it reminds us, does it not, that Jesus is, Jesus is real. Not was, he is real. He still lives. Is it not? The grape juice reminds us that he died for us, but didn't just die, he raised again for us. It is an opportunity for us to recommit to him to go into the valley and minister to those who are stuck in the valley. It is a reminder to us that are stuck in the valley, there's hope. There is hope. And so no matter where you are today, I invite you to take communion with us. No matter who, it doesn't matter what church you belong to. It doesn't matter where you come from. If you are willing to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior or profess him as Lord and Savior, come and take communion. And let me say to two groups of people, if you are stuck on the mountain, Would you say to Jesus as you take communion today, I don't want to be stuck anymore. I am ready to go down into the valley and be armed and dangerous, armed to minister to those who are stuck and dangerous to the kingdom of Satan. And if you're stuck in the valley today, could I ask you to just simply as you take communion this morning, just ask Jesus, Ask Jesus to help you to become unstuck. I would ask the prayer team, once you've taken communion, just be available for folks who want to reach out to someone and be prayed for. Now, how we're going to do this is we have communion back in the corners and up front. And if you would come and get it, we're going to take communion together to remind us we're all in this together. I'm not going to sing the song. And we'll hold it and we'll take the bread first and the cup and we'll celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Amen? Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you so much. I thank you for the times I've been stuck in the mountains and you've, you've kicked me out and pushed me into the valley. I thank you for those times I've been in the valley that there have been others who've been in the mountain who carried me and lifted me up. Uh, Lord, bless us. May we experience your tangible presence this morning as we take communion. Holy Spirit, refill us and empower us to be your servants. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen? Amen.